Hey, and welcome to the Stay Wild Trauma Child podcast. I'm Steph. And I'm Jamie, your trauma tour guides. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs. Oh, Jamie. Yeah. We're their hosts. As I was saying, we are two best friends that are openly sharing their healing journeys while navigating sudden loss, parenthood, relationships, mental health, and so much more. So this is your trigger warning that Jame and I will be discussing highly sensitive topics, including abuse, domestic violence, and murder in most, if not all of our episodes. We aren't for the faint of heart. We cuss like sailors and we have a pretty dark sense of humor. So if either of those things bother you, this is where your tour ends. Oh, hey, Jame. Don't forget to tell them that we aren't medical professionals. Oh, yeah. We're definitely not medical professionals, but we probably need them. (laughs) (laughs) So grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and get ready for a whole lot of laughs and maybe even a little bit of healing. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Stay Wild Trauma Child. On this episode, we'll be talking about the trauma response of flight. This episode is very near and dear to my heart because this trauma response is something that has quite literally taken the wheel on my life for the last 31 years. It's something I'm very familiar with. The discomfort of experiencing this trauma response as well as the discomfort of overcoming it. Saying all that, I poured my entire heart and soul into the research behind this episode. I have included hours and hours upon research cross-references on medical websites for days. My brain hurts, y'all. But I also included some really personal and vulnerable and private things that I have been doing to help myself overcome this specific trauma response. So I really, really hope you guys enjoy it. And as always, thank you for listening. Now let's get to it. Listen, I've been writing a lot, which has meant a lot of dictionaries, a lot of thesauruses. I've learned a lot of new words. Good. I'm tired from the bottom of my soul. I am so tired. This healing shit only gets more tiring. But goddamn, am I so happy. Right? That's amazing. Well, that's a good good segue into talking about maladaptive coping behaviors. Exactly. And how we got started from the bottom, now we here. I don't know. That's the only thing that came up. <laughs> the Drake song. <laughs> to continue on with part two of the flight trauma response. Now we can talk about the maladaptive coping behaviors that we develop from said trauma response. Mm-hmm. Maladaptive coping behaviors. There's quite a bit of them. They just are all in the same family. Some might be surprises, but let's just dive right in um, with the obvious ones. So sorry. My dog is having a loud sigh because he's like, uh, I know I live with you. Um, <laughs> he's like, I have to constantly be at your beck and call for hugs and cuddles and kisses and all of these other things because you're having a hard day. Guess who else has a hard day? Loki does. I know. Because he has to deal with Noah also. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. Let's start with the obvious. Um, A maladaptive coping behavior can be overthinking, chronic warrior, overachiever, lots of performance anxiety, which we've kind of discussed in part one. There's a lot of obsession and compulsion, obsessed with perfectionism and competence. So these people frequently get diagnosed with OCD, right? They have this inner voice of like, I must do it perfectly. Perfection, achievements, and success will make me lovable and therefore safe. Again, referencing back to the first part of the episode, the first part of this episode, they are always acting to feel safe. Mm -hmm. Now, did when you were doing your research and you can stop me. 
if you say this later on. But does it say anything about like this is formed specifically from a certain parent or certain types of parents? Or is it just like... I said it when um, it came from the source or the motive. Oh, um, did you? I apologize. Escaping your parents because you were trying you basically trying to escape their un- unkindness and the impact of the abuse. It's just I them being you. unkind. Okay. It's how you it's how you were taught to abandon yourself. Do you think it could also be something that is formed not just from like I mean, I guess neglective appearance or um betrayal wound? Yes. What it what is it not when you're like you're never around absent that's the word i was looking for this could also be born mm. from neglective and absent parents because i mean obviously those are forms of abuse too but like your parent can be absent just by sitting on the couch ignoring you endlessly scrolling yeah exactly um yeah absolutely i definitely experienced that one but it also could be from the parents that are like okay you have to play soccer you have to get straight mm-hmm. A's you have to be at the doctor you have to do this it, it can the overbearing that's why I said there's a wide range it could be the straight A student or the ADHD dropout that's just running amok on life this is a really wide range of people and, and and they all track they all make sense it's really hard to generalize like i'm finding it harder and harder to generalize like what specific gender parent or parent dynamic impact these because it's just it's so extensive like Mm -hmm. it can come what's that thing we talked about where it's like in primal wounds i think it's it's not you can experience an experience of rejection but feel abandoned it's not one definition of the experience itself it's your feelings surrounding the experience that form the wound yeah so again it's not the parenting itself here it's the experience and the ways you made yourself feel safe that gotcha. formed this trauma response. God, that was a hard one to work my way through. It was a tongue twister. I got gotcha. you. No, but it, it makes total sense. And I'm sure that's how, that's why so much of this stuff is overlapping. And, and um, because it's all your own perspective, like reality. Mm-hmm. Perce- perception is, is reality. Yes, perception. That's what it is. Perception is reality. You know what I mean? Where we all know that like, the way you view your growing up trip and your the way your mom views it is two very different fucking things, you know? So it's like she doesn't see what you saw mm-hmm. because she didn't have the same experience that you had. Yeah, she didn't feel what I felt. She just delivered it. And she might have felt guilt or shame, um, but I also felt guilt and shame for entirely different reasons. Mm-hmm. For not but being good my enough. My guilt or... and shame was never acknowledged because I never expressed it. I ran. I ran from my feelings. Mm-hmm. Didn't express them. I just ate all of her darkness. So, yeah. So these people can be diagnosed with OCD, anxiety, panic disorders, mood disorders, ADHD. All of this tracks, right? Like, and that's not going to say like if you've been diagnosed, you definitely have a flight response. These all present differently, as you just heard us ramble about for five minutes. Where where does this come from? Where do we come from? Mm-hmm. You can be a micromanager. You can have difficulty sitting still, rushing, lots of rushing, lots of fidgeting, escapism, addiction, procrastination. You're an adrenaline junkie. You can be super impulsive. Bad decisions. I've made tons of them. Look at, look at my life. Isolation and sometimes even manipulation. Because the goal is to escape the threat by any means necessary. Which made me think of that band, Escape the Fate. There was something you had said in one of the wounds episodes that was something about the perceived 
threat. Mm-hmm. Perceived threats. All of this happens to with perceived threats too. Yeah, because whether it, was, it is a threat or a perceived one. Yes, that's right. I remember you talking about that. You only learn what's a, a perceived threat through experience, right? And your parents are our parents are our first teachers. Um, and so if we're in this really, really chaotic, abusive, unsafe childhood environment, whether it's parents, caretakers, whatever that looks like, foster homes, they are your teachers. They teach you what a threat is. And if there's tons of them, you walk through your adulthood life just being like, everything is a perceived threat. And you have learned that being quietly reactive to those perceived threats has kept you alive. Uh, quietly reactive, meaning like a, 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 you stay inside yourself, you keep it private. Your torture is is quiet and it is private. It is internal. There is no external dialogue. You do not share how you feel easily. You might have friends you share with, but with the people, absolutely the fuck not. Never. That's an even bigger perceived threat because then I could lose them. And I'm not ready to deal with that on top of their unkindness because I have Stockholm Syndrome. Okay, Belle. Belle? Yeah. Beauty to my beast. Or, wait, beast to my beauty? Yeah. Um, so that's all really heavy, you know, because what we're, everything we just talked about encompasses addiction, all kinds of addiction, drugs, alcohol, sex, phone, manipulation can be an addiction. When you learn that tactic to protect yourself, oh, by golly, have fun. Um, that's going to be a whole phase. So, all of these things feel really heavy and ugly and uh, we carry a lot of shame when we're coming out of realizing everything we have done to survive. And Steph has talked a lot about forgiving yourself for what you had to do when you survived in, in I guess, what you would call season one of this podcast before we entered into whatever all this is. But saying all that to say that escapism is a really common stress response. It is so common. Steph has it. I have it. Uh, there's not a single person I know that hasn't exhibited some sort of escapism personality trait. Uh, not one singular person. So it is very common. There's nothing to feel guilty about. And we just need to learn how to slow down and call out and face our feelings. And that is much easier said than done. Well, and escapism isn't just sitting there scrolling on your phone. You know, it's working 60 plus hours a week. It's constantly needing to be doing something. Even if you've worked 50 hours that week and then come Saturday, Sunday, you have to be busy doing something all the time. Like it is when you can't just sit and be, you always have to be doing something to give yourself a sense of fulfillment. And Um, even when you are sitting and not doing with this, you're still escaping by sitting there hating yourself. Yeah, you're beating yourself up about yeah. Um, you literally not doing have to teach yourself to do nothing. And that is that is something that I've gotten a lot better with. And I think I've mentioned that on previous episodes that when I would take my Saturdays, like at first yesterday, I felt guilty. As mentioned in the last episode, I watched three movies yesterday, all right in a row. There was no break. I got up to make I breakfast. I got up and ate lunch like and I did not wrong with that. I didn't give myself a hard time about that because previously in other episodes, I mentioned how Saturdays I used to just lay in bed and watch New Girl all day because that was how I was able to tune 
everything else out that was going on because it was something that made me laugh. It was something that made me happy. It was a comforting show to me. So it actually allowed me to sit in bed and relax and gain that eight hours of rest that I couldn't get during the 45 hour work week where I have to sit there for nine hours a day and just try like hell to make it through the workday and just be okay. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that what you're saying speaks a lot to the bucket system that I use, my seven people, my seven buckets, whatever you want to call it. Um, like right now, this week, I've been giving a shit ton of energy into moving home. Surprise if you didn't hear it last episode. Um, and, and working on that spreadsheet, go listen to my rant. It was a good one, but, and I've been throwing a shit ton of energy into the, the research behind this podcast, right? And when I'm paying attention to the research, I don't have time for the marketing and, and I don't have time for the house cleaning. If I'm focusing on moving, like my, my energy is getting allocated elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And I really, really had to focus in my moments of doing nothing of being like, I deserve it. It is okay. I am not a worker bee. I am not a machine. I have been allocating my energy elsewhere. It is okay that I have a mountain of laundry and it makes fucking sense, dude. And and everything I was doing, I was using my time to honor my values and my morals. And it's okay. Do my honors and values lie in a clean and tidy home too? Yes. But we can't have it all the time. To piggyback off of that, um, Brittany is also one that struggles with just trying to like be still. And she beats herself up when she's resting and this, that, and the other. And so then she's like, I never feel rested. And I was like, okay, well, one thing I also started telling myself was if I just rest, first of all, I am worthy of rest. I deserve rest. Secondly, if I rest, I'm going to complete my tasks more efficiently and more effectively than if I do them while I am exhausted. Absolutely. So I, if I just sit here and allow myself to rest today, tomorrow, I can probably do that task in half the time that it would take me to drag my ass through it for the next eight hours. Maybe I'll do it in two hours. Yes. Next time Brittany is having one of these moments, this is a personal fan favorite of mine that I put on for myself. Um, it's, Rather vulgar for those listeners who are like, I can't listen to that kind of music. So if you can't mute us, fast forward, I don't care. Um, if they can't listen to that kind of music, then they definitely can't listen to us. So That is absolutely true. <laughs> um, but this has the N word in it and some people just can't uh, listen to music. With, with, like, yeah. I have no problem because I don't say it. You know, like I just I just censor myself if I'm singing along with it, um, which half the time I'm not because my kids are around and the last thing they need me here is. Like, I need no repeating a smile, bitch. Um, although funny would get me in trouble. So, anyways, um, and next time, I want you to play this for her. You got a lot to be smiling for. So what the fuck you be wilding for? That's it. That's all. That's all. All right. All right, Brittany, that clip was specifically for you. Next time you wore a smile, bitch. You got a lot to be smiling for. Everything is okay. <laughs> I, I've created like a whole playlist to remind me of like, to, That's to great. chill the fuck out. Um, well, and our, our music plays a big role because again, 
the words that we listen to from music, our brain has no idea if somebody is standing there saying it to you, if you are saying it to yourself, or if it's just a song playing on the radio. Your brain just knows that you are absorbing those words. I don't know if you've noticed, but when I post to our Instagram story, uh, one of our tweets or just like anything, I'll always try to put a song with it. Mm -hmm. And I always try to make it a happy song. Usually. Uh, We have this conversation a couple months ago that like our music choices have changed so much. And like songs that I used to listen to all the time, I can't bring myself to listen to anymore because they feel like they belong to a different time, a different person. And like, I I feel like almost like an ick when I listen to them now. Yeah, it's like this guilt and shame. And that's what I've been really working through when when writing this book, honestly, because like I have made playlists for each individual characters of this book that I've been writing. And I listen to these playlists when I'm writing about these characters because I really want to immerse myself in the feelings I was feeling back then in order to be true to myself for that chapter, blah, blah, blah. So I've been listening to them and I'm like, oh, God, I can't believe I listened to this crying (laughs) over you. There are much better songs now. But, you know, it's just been it's been a really like oddly healing thing to like work through that ick and why I'm having it and like processing those emotions. And ugh, a lot. it is it is interesting. So I would like to also remind our listeners that what you're doing, your escapism, whatever that looks like, as you have just heard from Steph and I discussing all the different versions and variables and scenarios of escapism, um, is that this is now a subconscious response for you not an unconscious. Look at me using the right words. Just go around. Big pat on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, your body has spent decades in this stress response cycle. You have spent decades making traumatic hormone soup within your body. You have built up shit. So this is not going to be easy. It is going to take practice. It's not going to be fun. It, it might actually literally, literally be physically painful because I don't know if it's old age or and no, I'm not being funny. But like my body, I have to stretch now. I have to stretch after like long days of like deconstructing a lot of bullshit in myself and journaling and thinking and working on podcast stuff and, and crying it out and dancing it out and all the fucking shit I've been doing. I'm so tired. I have to stretch because my body is so tense mm-hmm. from just all the release. Well, and also how often are you sitting while you're doing a lot of your release? everything i mean i'm sitting i'm standing i'm walking i'm outside like it it is a constant i am in mm-hmm. every single position imaginable <laughs> when i'm um <laughs> jesus you can leave that in i don't give a flying oh, fuck God. when when doing a lot of these these healing practices and yes that's carried over into sexuality too but um I'm not quite comfortable discussing yet on the podcast, but we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm working my way through a lot of that sexual trauma stuff right now. And I don't want to turn into like this, this X rated only feelings podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I said only feelings, Jesus. but, uh, I, I think Steph and I, through the discussions we've had over the past week or two, we really want to start diving, tiptoeing, tiptoeing into exploring um openly exploring our sexual traumas but we just need to figure out what that looks like and like the level of comfortability when discussing that publicly because everything else we're game for but i feel like that's a real happy one for both of us Mm -hmm. well and i think it's still 
just such a taboo topic topic for women to embrace their sexuality you know what i mean and be there's a fine line for women to be able to embrace their sexuality and their femininity without being slut shamed you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like just because you are comfortable in your sexuality and comfortable in your femininity doesn't mean that you have a body count of 150 you know what i mean you you could have maybe had five sexual partners in a lifetime, and if but you like do, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, it, it it and that's a part of the deconstruction work is just dropping the shame of like how you got to where you are and figuring that out. And I don't want to dive into this um because we have the last two to go through. But just know Steph and I want to dive into discussing that. I just think we need to look like like I want to be as vulnerable as possible. I think but Steph and I, Steph and I haven't had these conversations in our friendship. Like we have, but we haven't like we have, but not to the extent of our emotional traumas. I think we're just not there yet in general. Like, I don't even think we're there yet on our journey. Like I know personally for me, I am not. I'm tiptoeing into it. I'm not, I'm not there, but I'm tiptoeing. I've had a few experiences where I'm like, wow, that's a big one. This is a big opener for me. And Mm -hmm. like, we definitely just cauterized and healed a little bit of it. Um, but let's come back because this is going to take me a month or two to process mm-hmm. what just happened in this bedroom. And so like, I, uh, I don't know. Um, it's not that Steph and I aren't comfortable with each other. It, it's more or less that like, we're not comfortable with ourselves and exploring this quite yet. We just don't know. Yeah. And we want to be able to have these super open conversations, but since it is a really vulnerable topic for us both we want to make sure it's it's done right with respecting both of our boundaries and like we get comfortable behind closed doors for our our first times talking about it with Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> y'all she's been writing a total smut book that's why she's all like this i lately. really have i'm so sorry <laughs> like i decided i decided when i had the few experiences that i did have i'm like all right how can I dive into this in a safe way? Because I'm always acting to feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. I noticed the issue. I observed it, as you guys will hear in the solutions. And I'm like, I need to find a solution to this. Like, I need to find something that works for Jamie because it's time. It is time. Um, cue Whoa. Lion King music. <laughs> um, and now our listeners are going to forever associate my sexual trauma with Lion King. And that is just Akuna everything Matata. I could have ever asked for. <laughs> My God, it comes full circle like the circle. And can you feel the love tonight? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I really need to stop smoking. You know what's the best part about this? We're not even recording this one at like one o'clock in the afternoon. It is only eight o'clock my time, so it is five o'clock Jamie's time (laughs) on a Sunday. Stoned on a Sunday, five o'clock. About to go make dinner. I hate saying stoned because uh, that's not me at all. I've just been treating. My issues, I've been trying a different method of treating my issues and it has been working probably the best that it has ever worked in my entire life off of all pharmaceutical medications and just really taking care of my body with, with food and nourishment and the earth. And wow, I sound really crunchy right now. I promise I'm not doing like, I'm not making snow angels out in the dirt. I swear to God, I promise I'm not dancing naked around fires. Yeah, 
that's partially the reason. I mean, I definitely might get on the naked bonfire chanting when we get back to North Carolina. Stuff's like, for God's sakes. <sighs> Just kidding. I definitely won't. Um, I'll leave but, that to Noah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely my son. He's doing it for me. I'm living vicariously through him. So solutions, solutions, because we are a solution based podcast is slowing down and identifying these feelings. Right. And again, much easier said than done. And really the only way you can do this is, is a lot of grounding work, a lot of meditation, checking in with yourself mentally and physically meditating, uh, teaching yourself to do nothing at all, which we just talked about with Brittany smile, bitch, um, forcing yourself to come to both a mental, mental and physical halt. You have to force yourself and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's like pulling the e-brake going 70 miles an hour on a highway. You feel like you're going to die, but I promise it's okay to do nothing and start exploring and checking in with yourself, how you are feeling both mentally and physically. Well, in a grounding exercise can be as simple as like, literally just take your shoes off and go stand outside in the grass. Like just, just go do it. Go sit outside in the sun for five minutes, like Absolutely. connect with nature in some shape or form. I will tell you one of the best pieces of advice that my brother ever gave me after Matt passed away was to find a place outside that allows me to feel my feelings. And mm -hmm. so I did. And I went on walks and I would walk down a path. We had a two mile loop in the town that I lived in and I would just go walk. I would sometimes walk that loop three times and the tears would just run down my face. And yeah, there was people there, but like in certain parts of the path, like I was completely by myself and it would be sunny and you would feel the breeze and like it was just a way to connect back to myself, even though I wasn't alone, like 100% alone. And I actually saw a TikTok yesterday that said, do you know why people go walk in the woods? It's to connect with nature because mother nature is always there for you. She always has your back. And now that doesn't mean you have to go. She's your mother in a sense. Yeah. Well, and that like we're for from, we're from the earth. Like, Everything we need to survive in this world comes from Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. It is all energy. And so when your mm -hmm. energy is depleted, that's why everybody always feels so much better. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you hate the great outdoors. Everybody always fucking feels better when they have a little sunshine on their face or they've got some fresh air. I don't fucking care who you are. Open up the window, smoosh your face against the screen and get some fresh air. Like this is Aunt Steffi telling me, telling you to get your asses <laughs> the fuck outside and she's locking the door as Mama Steph, Mama like, slash Auntie Steph. It just it, I don't want to see you until the streetlights come on. <laughs> get outside. Pretend it's the 1980s. <laughs> We're going back in time. Maybe don't Making drink out of the water hose, again. though. Oh, God. <laughs> Ouch. Sorry, guys. Bring your filter with you. Bring your Brita filter outside and you can drink out of it. A dog bowl. Can you imagine if you saw somebody had a Brita filter spigot thing on like their hose spigot? <laughs> like you can put on the faucet in the kitchen. 
But even the check-ins with yourself don't have to be... I no, feel I like... I was No, I wanted to respond to your walking. Oh, no, I you're wanted fine. to say, first of all, that's beautiful. And second of all, I remember when you used to go on walks and you would come back both equally heavier and lighter. And it was like the weirdest thing to observe because I'm like, she's in such a bad mood, but she also seems happy. <laughs> and I'm like, we'll just be staring at you. And I'm like, I am not understanding this. The math isn't mathing. And I'm sure it wasn't mathing with you either because it's just like, what? why do I feel so good but like so bad at the same time and so heavy. And that, that is the duality of healing. That's the yin and the yang. I think it's also the guilt that we've mentioned that like when you're healing, especially for us, I would say in a lot of ways right now, we are still mostly healing from grief. So mm -hmm. the farther we move through our grief, we feel the guilt of leaving Matt and Emily behind. You know what I mean? Where like when you're moving through a specific trauma, it feels like triumphant. Is that a word? Like you like you conquered this like you conquered Mount Everest. You know what I mean? Because it's it's a trauma. It's something that hurt you like Matt and Emily didn't hurt us. We loved them and we lost them. Not that we want to sit here and grieve them the rest of our lives, even though we know we will. But when the heaviness gets lighter, it almost brings on a sense of guilt that we are moving on from them and we are forgetting them, even though that's not it at all. So I think it, it feels like you're taking a step forward, like a big step forward, but also taking like three steps backwards simultaneously. I wrote something literally exactly about this in the book and I'm trying to find it really quickly because I feel like it was genius. Emily, 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 Emily. Mm. Okay. I'm going to skim over it. Psych. I do plan on publishing this book and as much as I absolutely adore each and every one of you, I don't want to risk anyone taking my ideas. No hard feelings, guys. But if you are interested in hearing our original thoughts, prompts, or writing, you can subscribe to our monthly Grace and Growth Journal, where we curate journal prompts and write encouraging pieces with all of you in mind. Thank you for listening to my rant. Now let's hear Steph's reaction to the excerpt from my book. God, Jane. That is why when I don't feel, I know I've been able to release the feeling of um, not moving on without her. Because she was here. I know. Once I made that connection. So, damn, I did not. I was like, we got through almost a whole episode without me crying. Uh -huh. I cry every day now. Um, in a good way. So, yeah. That's feeling your feelings, y'all. Gotta feel it to heal it, baby. So, yeah, like Steph said, where you just, where you just find what works for you, what you connect with. Sometimes I go outside and I write. Like, I just connect. I connect with myself. I've had to learn how to disassociate from my five senses in order to associate with my feelings. And I know that sounds mm. ridiculous. This is like, you're numbing out your sight, your hearing, your smell. Like, yeah, you're outside, but sometimes I just need to completely like pretend like I'm in a white room outside so that yeah. I can I can clearly envision my feelings and that's that's how I can write um okay so you move on and you confront those feelings all all of that with love you notice them you call them out 
You practice building your self-confidence with self-trust exercise. Most importantly, you give yourself grace because it is, think if you think about it, it's unnatural to run straight into the face of a primal danger. You wouldn't see a tiger mm-hmm. and be like, ah, I mean, unless you were trying to hunt it. And, you know, the, the hunters, they have their own traumas to deal with. We can get onto that with another episode. But they also create a, there's a plan usually in place. You know what I mean? They're not oh, just. Yeah, I forgot about those. I don't do, I, I don't usually do those sometimes, especially when I'm impulsive. <laughs> but this isn't your, um, <laughs> this isn't your surface level primal danger, like from an animal or an enemy. It mm-hmm. is your own fear. It is inside of you. The calls coming from inside the house. So it's like, Mm -hmm. that's why you see all of these, this this slam poetry, people being like, I just want to rip inside my chest because that's what it Mm -hmm. feels like. When you start to process this stuff, like the fear is inside of you and you can physically feel it like a virus and you just want to rip it the fuck out of you. And the only way you can do it is to go there. There's no way around. There's no way out. The only way out is through. And Mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time dancing. The good and the bad. We spend a lot of time dancing on, on like the outskirts of that battlefield, just avoiding it, mm-hmm. just dancing, trying to look for the best path around and, there, and there's none. So the ways that you can kind of uh, um, confront your feelings and work through them is everything we, you know, Steph and I just talked about walking, writing, however, connecting with nature, but you can also manually stimulate your vagus nerve to help calm and regulate your nervous system. Um, there's a lot of great videos online for that. There's somatic therapy. And your vagus nerve is in your ear. For those who don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, we moved on from the dirty stuff. No stimulating of that. The vagus like piercing is usually like the little like tab I, in your ear, right? I would have to look it up. I didn't do research. I started getting lazy because I was like, oh my God, I just need to get up and record this podcast already. I've done so much research. I'm crying. I cannot. Um, so... And somatic therapy, just like Steph was talking about, like there's writing, there's heel dropping, there's breath work, there's, there, there's like just, oh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these like little quirky ideas. They're not even like medically suggested, right? They're just things that people have come up with. It can even be stimming. Like you don't even have to be autistic to stim, right? Whatever works for you to release your energy. So you can look up words like somatic therapy, stimming, breath work, vagus nerve, um, I can't think of anything else right now, but Steph, if you yoga, obviously Kundalini yoga, uh, fire breath, fire breathing. It's the, not the little tab on your ear. That's the tragus, but your vagus, <laughs> you got nerve, it right. like the vagus. Yeah. Well, the vagus piercing is usually on the like ridge in your ear. It's the piercing that's like in in your ear yeah but there's something you can do as far as like movement or breath that also stimulates that because i've never heard anyone say like take your finger and give your ear a good old rub i've never heard that maybe i'm wrong but but so that's why a lot of people get that vagus piercing because it's supposed to help reduce oh, I we should go get anxiety vagus piercings we could when i come back i'm coming or for chronic migraines too. That's another. I do reason too, why. but I can't get rid of that one. I would get in trouble. What? Well, because then I would have to adopt out the children. What are you talking about? I said chronic migraines. I know, they are my chronic migraines. Um, I love them Jesus. dearly, but a woman did a did a TikTok the other day that was like, my therapist told me to get rid of all the stress in my life. 
So she put her three children and her husband on the front steps, the vacuum, the laundry, and closed the door. It makes sense. It tracks. I get it. <laughs> She's like, how am I supposed to get rid of my family? <laughs> uh, that's a whole other episode for a whole other time. That's going to be. Uh, but yeah, um, I had an, an experience yesterday taking Noah out for his birthday that was just kind of like, oh, my fucking God, we made it. We had an outing where we had fun with four children. We were in charge of four children total by ourselves. And it, I actually had fun. Where'd you get the other two children from? Um, Jason's friends from up the street. Uh, oh. She doesn't want me saying their names or like pictures or anything on the podcast. Oh, no, I but the friend she's been hanging out with um, all the time. I gotcha. They both, her and her brother both came to Noah's little party. But she had to leave. Oh, nice. So we were in charge. And I was like, wow, we actually had a good experience. And it just goes, it really speaks to like, if you're carrying the weight of healing for your household, it will it will bleed over. And I, I'm not saying that to like you can save the man because that's not the narrative we run with on this podcast. But like, Mm-mm. if someone's willing to work with you and they're struggling and they're willing to do the work, but they just can't quite find the strength, if you take the torch and you run, they will follow. It might be slowly, they might stumble, they might fall face first in the mud, but it eventually starts to happen. Your children follow, the people in your life follow. You become a leader. You step into your power. And that's exactly what's happening in my household and in my life. Very slowly. But again, another episode for another time. So the goal is to heal your root chakra, right? With all these solutions, um, with these methods, you want to be able to feel at peace and experiencing and experience these like mind blowing levels of self-worth. It's kind of like the Grinch. That's what it feels like when his heart starts growing. And he's like, oh, my God, what's happening? I'm feeling like I love myself. Like, that's what it feels mm-hmm. like. It's super uncomfortable. What are these feelings? And it reminds me of this really brief and hysterical fucking story that when I was pregnant with Noah, um, Grace put me on bed rest. Well, the doctor put me on bed rest, but Grace put me on bed rest. She was like, you're not getting up. I, heard, I was at the appointment and the doctor said, you're fucking sick. Go lay down and I will bring you whatever you need. And so, like, I was pissed because I don't like sitting down. I am a busybody. Achieve, achieve, achieve. I did not care that I needed to be on bed rest. I wanted to clean. I wanted to achieve. And Grace was like, I, I will end you. I will end you. Go lay down. <laughs> so I would. So out of this passive aggressive response, I started screaming Max from the top of the stairs, just in the exact same way the Grinch did. And then Jason started doing it. And now it has become this thing that we do where I'm like, Max, whenever I need I something. I think I actually remember that. But. The other thing I heard is when you're experiencing these mind-blowing levels of self-worth and confidence and you're like developing this crazy little thing called self-love again, you feel a little uncomfortable because it can feel like cockiness and cockiness feels unsafe. It feels like narcissism, you know? And mm-hmm. then I heard this thing on Love is Blind, the show I was crying to and referencing in the first episode or first part of this episode, um, where she said, I, I just love Paul because... Of his sureness versus his confidence. He is so sure of himself. He is himself. He is so humbly confident. He's not cocky. And I was like, I really fucking like that. I'm sure of myself and I'm humble. I -hmm. also know that I don't know everything. So for those of you trying to develop a lot of like self-worth and love and, and just stepping back into your confidence and your intelligence and just really accepting all of yourself it's be sure of yourself. You can walk with that phrase. It's not confidence. You're sure of yourself. 
And uh, in conclusion, like Steph was saying, be your own goddamn friend. Get outside. Be the friend that you would want someone to be for you or be the friend that you are for others currently to yourself. Well, and that also helps you set boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like once you start setting the standard higher of how you are going to treat yourself and take care of yourself, others are going to follow because you're not going to allow other people to treat you less than how you treat yourself. Mm -hmm. And generally, we treat ourselves worse than how anybody else treats us. But there's also cases where we allow certain people to walk all over us. So it's like you said a million times. Be a good friend. It's definitely. Just huh? be a good friend. Whatever the definition of a good yeah. friend. Well, and sometimes I think that the reason why we aren't good friends to ourselves is because we've never had a good mm. friend. And we have talked about how the level there's levels to friendship mm -hmm. and we've talked about how previously we wouldn't ask certain people for help or support because their level of support or help wasn't going to meet our expectations. You've never had a good friend. But if you've never had a good friend, you don't know what those levels or expectations should be. <sighs> and so brought it home. So, and like, this is going to be kind of a... Take it home for us, Steph. So my friend Kelsey, who's one of my best friends back home, her and I were out one night. And now neither Kelsey nor I have ever been small. Like we've always been thick girls. We've always been... Wheeze. Um, The girls that always had... What? You said wheeze. What'd you say? Wheeze. We've always we's been always thick been, girls. <laughs> we've always been dumb dick girls um we them boys and we always had the friends huh we them boys we them go ahead no we neither of us are cowboys fans so no 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 um and we always had the really pretty skinny best friends like those that's just how our friends always were and so Kelsey My and I were values are making me uglier by the day Two men. So we're getting into a safe zone here. But so Kelsey and I were out one night and we saw a chubbier girl out with all of her really skinny, skinny friends. And they, they let her leave the house looking like absolute shit. Abs oh, I remember you telling like, me the story. Like she was, and I'm all about people wearing what they want to wear. Girl, if you feel confident in that outfit, rock it. But she did not look good. She did not look nice. She did not look comfortable. Her hair was a mess. Her makeup was not nice. Like, and Kelsey and I just looked at each other and we were like, we always had the hot friends. Our friends would have never let us walk out of the house like that. That's a bad friend. My friends never made me feel less than them because I was bigger than them. So, like, I always knew what it was like to have good friends because my friends didn't treat me differently than them, even though they were all... They didn't make you the butt of the joke. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But I, but it, to me, it's like, it's one of those examples of, like, that poor girl doesn't know that she doesn't have good friends because her friends are letting her be the ugly duckling yeah. to make them look better. Mm -hmm. 
opposed to letting her also be just as beautiful and just as glamorous as them. Or they're just so self-absorbed that they don't care. There's a twofold. But so that's the thing, too. Sometimes your friends are very selfish and we, you don't, it, sometimes it's hard to acknowledge that your friends are selfish mm-hmm. and that they're not good friends. Yeah. Like that they, and that's not because they're mean to you. There's this really fine line that I wrote a rant about on TikTok, or sorry, not on TikTok, on Twitter the other day um, on our account. Where it's kind of like, this is why we have generations upon generations of people uh, pretending to heal. And then you kind of get tricked into these friendships where you're like, oh, these people are healing. So they should be able to be there for me in some capacity because you understand what healthy selfishness looks like. And then Mm -hmm. they will kind of defer, like place blame, be like, "I'm, I'm being selfish. I'm looking out for myself. This and I am totally guilty of this, by the way, I am not dragging anyone right now. And it's like they use healing as a crutch. I'm being selfish. I'm working on myself. It's like, no, bitch, you've overextended yourself and you have seven people that actually mean the world to you. And you're trying to like be everything for everyone. And that is not possible. And you need to tell this mm-hmm. person the yeah. truth. And there's there's plenty of people in my life like that where too much time has passed now where it's like, how do you tell someone like my cue cards already full right now? Like I am infinitely blessed in my friendships. I, I just can't. I don't. I can't make room. I don't have capacity. We're at max capacity. It's like Lindsay told me on the playground when we were in kindergarten. There's no room on the ship. It's already sailed. And it was the most devastating feeling. How do you deliver that message to another person in need? Um, It's begging for your help and calling you selfish. And so we put a lot of hope and faith into people like this. and, And it's not always necessarily their fault. They just don't have the backbone to say their cue card's full. Like me. Um. I see both sides of it. Uh, but I don't think that's, but I think there's a difference of acknowledging where you're at and what you can give to other people. And just like some people are just shit friends. Yeah. Like, I think there's a big difference. Some people just always take, 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 take. And there's never a reciprocation of giving in any way, shape or form. So to end with some encouragement on how, to or not how to to end some end with words are hard to end with some encouragement um to kind of (laughs) propel you towards doing this work uh just a few little reminders that have kind of gotten me through this process so while while you are actively practicing lowering your stress response it will also in tandem, lessen your perception of stress. Reticular activating system. The more mm-hmm. you focus on it, your intention cannot be, I will not stress. That's, that cannot be the intention because then you will focus on stress. It just has to be, yes. um, loving yourself, doing things to love yourself. And basically you're just, you're, for all of the gym, gym people who listen to this, you're getting some gains on your parasympathetic nervous muscle system quote unquote uh with each and every practice that you're doing so like with each and every one every small effort counts every step counts even though it might not feel like it it's a workout absolutely and the last thing that we could turn into like probably a two-minute talking point here is i saw this chart that was like how can you take the maladaptive coping behaviors and transform them into something like that serves you positively 
in, in a healthy way in your life. And they have this list um, that we can kind of break down. But basically, you can use the solutions and the ideas that we gave you or, or your own uh, through your own research to have the ability to disengage, to take healthy retreats, to be diligent and hardworking, and to really cultivate your know-how and your perseverance and your objective slash perspective. So you already have the ability to flee, right? Like this is flight mm-hmm. we're talking about. So you learn healthy communication skills and boom, you have a healthy ability to disengage from unhealthy people and you have a healthy ability to communicate how if you want to take a healthy retreat, which is just a really nice way of saying go no, no going no contact with your abusers. And then yeah. you can also use these skills to be diligent and hardworking. You just kind of like you work with what you got. You work with what your mama gave you with all that trauma. Um, I think I think another really good ex- uh, example is like how you um, a lot of people might not realize that we have these modes on our phones that you can set where you can have like work mode. You can have study mode like um, on my old phone. I just got a new one. I don't know if this one. I'm sure this one does it too, but like I could set different modes. It wasn't just work mode, but I could have like me time and then I could only allow, then I only allowed certain apps and notifications in and like what worked in work mode, like nothing's allowed in. It's just to be like hyper-focused. Like if you need to put physical boundaries in place in order to allow yourself the space that you need, like exactly. do that. Exactly. If you need two hours every night where your phone does not go off, but you don't want to put it on airplane mode because in case there's like an emergency, you can set something up in your phone that from like eight to 10 every night, no notifications come through unless somebody calls you, you know, unless you put like whoever, if there's an emergency, they can get through whatever. people you I have a specific set of people and the specific set of people are two people and it's you and Grace. And I have it set to where if you call me more than once, Uh like in my time, then it will ring full, full send, full blast in my ears. And that's a scary experience, especially when you wear Bluetooth headphones 24 (laughs) seven. Yeah. And I I have my phone set to Steph is my background for my work mode. And it's specifically a picture where (laughs) she's like looking down and she's like, bitch, better have my money. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, yes, ma'am, I'm working. 12 to 2. Got it. Solid working hours. <laughs> Solid focus. I've got it. I seriously, I think of, nice. st- I think, I think of this every single time I pick up my phone between the hours of 12 and 2. Now it's just Steph's face. Like, do better. Be better. Oh my God. <laughs> Could you make it more loving? It is. It is. That is love. You make me sound like a drill sergeant. <laughs> In my head, you are, but like a positive one. You're not like major pain. You're like, you're like i don't know how to explain it you want the best you are like very aggressively encouraging the same way i am and some people it rubs them wrong and guess what those aren't our people but no you just cut right to the chase you're like i'm sorry you're having a hard day but what can you do and i'm like oh my god okay (laughs) all right we're skipping right over the fluff what can i do okay um and then and then other times she'll sit and talk because she's like we already talk about your feelings for two hours on the podcast i don't need to hear it now too like let's just find a solution Isn't that true no 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 she's she's an amazing friend on and off the podcast there is no showboating here 
yeah, so you can use those things to become diligent and hardworking. Cultivate your what you already have and work with it. Your know-how, your perseverance, you know how to get through shit. You had to survive your entire life. You have been in fight, 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 flight, freezer fawn, one of these, all of these, I don't care, your entire life. We as a society do not know how to release. And in the forms of release that have now been common practice for all of us is is very harmful. Alcohol, bringing it full circle with what Steph said at the very beginning. Alcohol, sex, drugs, TV, the way we sit, our postures, the blue lights coming off the phone. We are destroying ourselves. Well, and it's it's very much so American society. Uh, because it's not so much in other countries to like always be on. Your brother's you know, listening like, God, to this right now going, you expat. Literally fucking take a nap in the middle of the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in other countries, it is like celebrated to rest and slow down and enjoy life. And like, I don't know where in America, like we... And I, and I know a lot of it has to do with like so many of us come from immigrant backgrounds and our families worked so hard a lot of to make a trauma. name a lot. for themselves. So it's, it's, yeah, the generational traumas that like, you know what I mean? They had, you had to earn your place to be here. And if you had to be the hardest working person in the room, you don't have, like, yes, you can work hard and still chase goals and this and the other, but that does not mean that your value goes down because you decided to spend a Saturday watching movies. Mm-hmm. You need to balance yourself out. Or reading a book or taking a nap. Like, Yeah, do something that lights your soul on fire, even if it, even if it falls under. The, and that's why I said some of the things you want to do or, or uh, have the capacity to do aren't always healthy if you are if you're feeling like you need a drink to wind down at the end of the day and you're not drinking but you just are like god a drink would be nice right now like a a big old glass of wine you cannot shame yourself into perfection you cannot be like no i've given up now obviously if you have an alcohol dependency issue or a drug this this portion does not count for you if you made a commitment to yourself to not drink at all period which is very unrealistic in my personal opinion, again, outside of addiction, you just can't shame yourself. Like, like tonight, I'm like, man, it's kind of been a long weekend. It's been a real heavy weekend, a good weekend, but there's just a lot of feelings. I've done a lot of, I've done all the emotional work. I've done the processing. Now I would like to rest in a bathtub with a nice glass of wine. But so maybe you find a healthy swap. There's a lot of, I do like, tea. There's a lot of women out there that I've seen that are making like these different type of like mocktails, Mm -hmm. definitely like the adrenal cocktails. I can't remember what the name of the product is, but there's a, there's another like drink out there that is supposed to give you the same sensation of like drinking an alcoholic beverage, but there's no alcohol. Yeah. 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 There's tons. Like a lot of times it's just having like, it's not even so much about the alcohol as it's having like a fun beverage to drink. Mm -hmm. You know what I you're mean? nesting. Like, you you nest. You sit down to relax. You prepare yourself to yeah. relax, and that's exactly what I do. So, uh, Jacelyn's favorite is to make somebody a glass of hot chocolate, a mug of hot chocolate. Exactly. Like she, we all have our little things. So, so you know, gather them all up in a little basket, and you create yourself a little nesting space for your rest. And stuff mm-hmm. just gave a perfect example of objective and perspective with like 
you use the power of your overthinking within this flight response, right? And you can shift it almost. You've been overthinking about all of your anxiety and imperfections, but if you can just shift it by obtaining knowledge about how other cultures live their life, then kind of like it's just this sense that like all the shame starts to melt away because it's like, wow, this really is our culture. Other people do live differently. There's other options out there. There's other solutions Mm -hmm. out there. I don't need to throw all this medicine down my neck. Some people do. There's literally absolutely no shame in that. I'm a huge advocate for medication. Mm -hmm. I take it on and off when I'm feeling, you know, like I, I try to find a good balance. And I am very fortunate to be a type of person that can go on and off my meds. I don't need mood stabilizers. I just have a little dash of PTSD and some ADHD. And I've gotten to a point where I feel like it is manageable outside of the scope or or help of pharmaceutical meds right now. That might change in six months. And that's okay. It's okay. And that's what everyone needs to realize. So like, be gentle with yourself. And you can turn every single thing you struggle with today into something that turns your life into something that you feel is worth living again. A hundred percent. I just gave myself chills. Just baby steps. Don't overthink it. Don't try and do too much at once. Just pick one thing and and focus on that. Mm-hmm. And then slowly you'll add in another and another. And next and- thing you know, you will be a fully functioning human being just like Steph and I. Let's all laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you too can have it all. You'll have a healthier routine established before you like it's a slow process. But before you know it, you'll be like, holy crap, every day I drink this, I eat this and I do this for my mental health. And oh da, my da, God. Da, da, da. it is painfully slow watching you incorporate walking. That took like a full year for you to get on some kind of like like solid routine, you know, like you you were spotty. And now I feel like I see on snap like it's you definitely have dips and that's OK, too, because I do, too. Like right now I haven't done yoga in two weeks. That's wearing mm-hmm. on my body. But again, I've been allocating my energy to other buckets and we just mm-hmm. need to be aware of it. It has taken me over a year to like really process my oral fixations with smoking and like be like, okay, I'm never going to pick that up again. And here are some alternatives and I have to be okay with those. I need to be easy yeah. on myself. If I go, some people can quit cold turkey. Other people, they need um, in-betweeners, you know. Please don't find an in-betweener if you're a heroin addict. I pray for you. Or I I beg of you, not pray for you. I do. Well, Suboxone's great. But you know what I mean? Like you, you can't guilt yourself for finding some in-between methods to get you from point A to point B. We are not machines. We are not perfect. We are yeah. very flawed. And just like I said, as a reminder, our body has spent decades in the stress response cycle this is all we know so be gentle with yourself please grace and growth grace oh my god can this be like our trailer episode for our podcast because man this one was a this one was a doozy because it could only be like 30 seconds long (laughs) no i know but can we just like pin this one at the top be like if you're gonna listen to any of our episodes listen to this one because wow <laughs> and i know i say that That's about good. every single one but 
Just listen to them. We all, just please. keep getting better and better. <laughs> We're like fine wine, baby. This podcast is going to be yeah. a million dollar producing podcast in 10 years. <laughs> Speaking it, it into existence. All right. Well, let's pretend like we're going to hop off and not continue talking after this. <laughs> we love you guys so very much. And as always, thank you for listening to all of our laughter and tears and introspection. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> and most importantly, if you're still listening. <laughs> yeah. And most importantly, we, uh, we really hope that just us sharing all of our thoughts and research and ideas that go into everything behind this truly helps you because that's really our only motivating factor at this point in time. We are not driven by money. A um, little bit of selfishness nope. on our own parts because we're using this to help ourselves too, but uh, just accountability for us. Mm-hmm. And we hope we can be that for you as well. So mm-hmm. thank you for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye. We are so grateful to those of you who have allowed us to take up space in your lives and supporting us while we share some of our most vulnerable moments. As James said, your support means the world to us. So we would absolutely love to know your thoughts on the show. So please leave us a review on any of our platforms. And also make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The links are posted in our show notes. This concludes your tour of Stay Wild Trauma Child. Please remain seated until... Oh, God, James. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. We love you. And as always, stay wild.